0: Welcome to the Lake Forest Podcast, a podcast about the lovely city of Lake Forest featuring topics like local news, sports, music, people, food, and history. My name is Pete and I'm joined by my co host, Lake Forest history legend Arthur Miller. How are you doing, Art? I'm doing just great. Thank you. How are you? Proper. I'm Good. doing fantastic. Both of us gave the right answer. We both live in Lake Forest. Now, before we start our class, we have a sponsor for the show, Dakota Insurance Group. They've got your back. Why? Because that's what friends are for. Dakota Insurance handles all your residential and commercial insurance needs. Get a quote now at dakotainsurancegroup.com. Group, uh, Ask for SKU. Ask them for a Cubs bat. They're big Cubs sponsors. Okay. One of the goals of the podcast is for our listeners to learn just a little bit more about Lake Forest. Well, who better to teach us about Lake Forest history than Lake Forest history legend Art Miller? Okay, everyone, take your seats, fold your hands on top of the desk. Our class is about to begin. Hey Art, nice article on Lake Forest and Bluff, huh? What what happened, you holding out on us? What was
1: that article about, 20 years? Yeah, 20 years. Uh, John Canaster started Lake uh, Forest and Bluff periodical for the two towns in 2001. And so they wanted to do a 20th uh, anniversary history issue. They're celebrating their anniversary. They wanted an article for me about the history. So what I did was I went through, but I mostly talked about sort of physical changes and things like that. And what I wanted to do today was to complement that, if I could, mention more the kinds of people who were involved, some of the people who made things. I mean, there are different theories of history, that there's just movements that make things happen. But then that there are also theories that there's people like Winston Churchill or Franklin Roosevelt or, you know, whoever, that that actually make things happen uh, for the good. And so that's what I'm going to try to talk about today. What's first on your list, Art? So I'm going to go through about five categories, and those include government, commercial, people who make commercial contributions, then the uh, organizations, the various organizations of all types um, then the estate restoration, which was a major thing that really happened in the late, started from the late nineties, particularly, but bloomed in the, uh, especially up until 2008 and then came roaring back, uh, recently too. Um, and then fifth, the, um, private education, some of the things that have happened in private education that are, are pretty impressive for the period. Um, so, um, I'll try to show a range of different people, men, women, Uh, I actually have one African-American who made a big difference and people of different ages. Some of them died and it was the period that accumulated their, um, their sort of, um, it was a place to sum up what their accomplishments were. Other people didn't die. They maybe moved on. And some of them are still here working and tilling in the vineyard. So, so let's uh, let's go. I'll start out with a government with one of the most important mayors of maybe the last Oh, since World War II, I would say uh, Frank Farwell. Uh, Frank Farwell died in 2011. At the at his uh, funeral service, his kids said he timed it perfectly because he didn't want to pay any federal estate tax, and so he died <laughs> in December of 1911. Before they re- it was a year when they didn't have any uh, estate tax. So um, this is pretty cagey. He was an investment banker in Chicago with William Blair and Company. His Great grandfather John V. Farwell was one of the founders of Lake Forest and everything. So he represented a real continuity in the community. His father, Albert Farwell, his grandfather was Francis Farwell. So he he he, he had good roots, but he did a bunch of different things that are important. Uh, you, you can notice them today um, as you go around Lake Forest. The Lake Forest beach is one of the biggest things. Um, his wife was in the his late wife also was in the uh, lake forest garden club and together they really got behind that beach project which a lot of people thought at the time was way out of scale would not suit the community it was too big and it was for a republican community outrageously expensive it was going to cost nine million dollars in 1985 well of course nine million dollars in 1985 was a lot more money now you know, you can buy a nice little um, estate on Lake Michigan for it along the North Shore. But back then it was huge. So it, they, they, they really stepped up. They took out a bond issue uh, to do that park. Uh, they got the garden club behind it with his wife who did, who arranged for the landscaping and everything. Um, the uh, open lands guy, Chris uh, Steve Christie, did the landscape. But we have that enormous beach for what today, today sounds like a pittance $9 million. And we have this tremendous investment that was made. And he was really the, the, the water carrier on that one, got that through. He um, was on the city council uh, when there was a problem with uh, disaffected youth and helped form the Croya organization uh, that helps keeps kids um, busy and happy. He moved the rec department in the 80s out of uh, part of Market Square and the old fire station, which was later the Market House and built a new building for them that's out there. It's 40 years old now, but it's been a tremendous addition to the community, probably needs to be added to, and he probably would have done it if he were here. Then another thing he did, which was really interesting, was he, he took he accepted as a gift to the city um, the Ragdale Foundation property at 930 North Green Bay Road. Um, the granddaughter of Howard Doren Shaw, who designed Market Square, had taken over his house from her mother and wanted to start an artist community in 1976. She did, but her problem was she had about five or seven acres that she had to pay property tax on, and it was just not really working out. She couldn't get it off the rolls as a not-for-profit organization. It was definitely not-for-profit, I can tell you, because I was on the board. No profit being made over there. So she got the city. She gave the property to the city. The city, in turn, gave her back, a twenty-five year lease, um, and that got her off of the tax rolls, or got her off of the property tax rolls, so that she could manage with the investments that she had from her folks and with other contributions, keeping that thing going. Uh, it expanded. It, well, then the city redid it. She had she had retained ownership of a little parking lot, and she managed to turn that into the city. It was worth a thousand, a million dollars by. Uh, 2000 so she gave it up to them anyway she founded that and was fabulous it's now the oldest Midwestern artist community lots of major writers and artists have come out of there so that was important Gail Hodges was another um, city person she was on the city council in 1998 when they passed the um, preservation ordinance that um, took the historic the National Register of historic districts and grandfathered them in as um, local historic districts with uh, new ordinance powers uh, defined, including the ability to deny uh, demolition of a property, although it could be reviewed by the city for economic hardship or something like that. But it changed the course of um, a lot of development in town and focused people on repairing and fixing up and, and being generally helping out on that. Another person who was on the early, an early historic preservation member, commission member was Mary Jane Walters, who was a pretty good interpreter of that. And she did that. Now we have Bruce Grieve currently on that board, who's, who owns a big house himself and is sympathetic to both the people who are facing the, the contractors and facing the city people. So it's, I think we have a good balance right now. And another district, another governmental thing entirely is District 115, the high school district, and Chala Holland, the principal from 2015 to 2021. In January of 19, in, in, of 2021, she was named Lake Lake Region Principal of the Year by the um, Lakes Region Principal of the of the Year by the Illinois State uh, Horace Mann and Principals Association, uh, outstanding person. She has moved on to a, a larger job someplace now, but she made a big impression, raised morale, and was very effective. Bob Kiley, uh, he retired from the city, involved in the municipal services uh, building in oh, 2009. Yeah, he helped, he built the West train station in the late 90s. He reinvigorated or coordinated. Uh, Kiley worked on, uh, on a TIF plan that developed the, with the station and everything out on the West side. That's now a very nice, vibrant uh, business district with restaurants. There's a health bureau there. There's a couple of banks. There's Sunset and things. And it's a really nice part of town for the west side of of Lake Forest, uh, town center for the west side of Lake Forest. So, And that's been protected. Um, So now there's a power couple I have to mention for politics that's very important. The Rummel family. Uh, Mike Rummel was a major mayor for several years um, in that period when they built the Municipal Services building. He then went on to be on the Lake County Board of uh, Trustees in uh, Waukegan and on their forest preserve, even more importantly, and got a bridge built, a bike bridge built um, across the middle fork of the river um, over um, near Lake Forest Academy, which is very nice. Um, so, and his wife Melanie, she was uh, head of the District uh, 67 board and is now on the city council. So, they've been very influential. So it's amazing how you know there are people who really contributed a lot in government. Now, if we turn to commercial, it's pretty interesting. Uh, one fellow who built a house in the 1990s on Green Bay Road, up across the road from Ragdale, was Miles White and his wife. White was uh, became CEO of Abbott laboratories. And he was that until fairly recently, uh, over 20 years, I think. And he, he was pretty smart because what he did was he saw that there would be more value in the company if he split it up three ways. And he kept Abbott laboratories to do diagnostic things, spun off pharmaceuticals to AbbVie, then spun off a lot of their support things for medic, uh, medical things to um, Hospira, which became part of Pfizer. So he created tremendous value for people in Lake Forest. A lot of people who were children of or were former Abbott employees had Abbott stock. Um, there was one secretary from Abbott who'd started in the 1930s who left a big legacy of Abbott from Abbott stock um, for education and stuff um, in the period. The, the prosperity of the Abbott Laboratories group of companies that started from Abbott. Uh, had a tremendous impact on Lake County in general, but especially on Lake Forest's well-being. Uh, so he's very notable. He also, um, because there was no decent place, no decent hotel, really, took d- took it on to um, fix for Ab- people visiting Abbott to fix up the Deer Path Inn in 2015 and turned it into a really top Midwestern suburban hotel, uh, kind of like the American Club up in Kohler, that sort of thing. Thing it's really, really changed the uh, entertaining spectrum in Lake Forest by quite a bit. Other people include the Rob Krebs. Now, there was a guy, and I mentioned him in the article, uh, actually, because he, he was a brilliant um, corporate financial guy with railroads. He started, I think, with the um, Southern Pacific Railroad, merged, did a series of mergers over his career that eventually built the system that included, the Burlington Northern, which had been originally the Great Northern and the Burlington in the '60s, and then the Santa Fe Railroad and the Southern and the, and the Southern Pacific Railroad, all pumped into one system that really made it the major system. The only holdout is the uh, Union Pacific, which took over the Chicago and Northwestern, and that was the that was the original Transcontinental Railroad. But Krebs was the one who built that, and then he also built an estate in the Lake Forest in 2002 fabulous he'd had a villa in um above uh, florence in italy and he with all materials basically from florence area wood stone art everything built this villa in lake forest which is has been donated to lake forest college eventually it'll be a museum uh, pretty impressive so he's he, he made a big impression another guy was Ed Wehmer. He was working as president of Lake Forest Bank in the 90s, and with Ed, starting out with um, Howard Adams, uh, they they founded Wind Trust, which was to have little local banks around the Chicago area. But Ed took that over and really pushed it forward to make Wind Trust into the second largest publicly held in Chicago bank after Northern Trust. Uh, that came out of Lake Forest and it came out of Waymer, who now lives up in the Shore Acres subdivision up in Lake Bluff, but he was a tremendous innovator, and in the spirit of the kinds of things that built Chicago and Lake Forest, we need about 30 more guys like those guys. Another level, more local focus level, we have Ellen Sterling, who's running her, uh, she's the third generation running the Lake Forest shop for women in Market Square. It started in 1922. A very savvy businesswoman got through The period, 20 years of from 2001 to now, with about 35 recessions and one pandemic, she's done great. commend her. And parallel to that is the um, 1937-founded Smith Men's Store, which was carried on after Brooke Smith died in the 90s by John Tadell until fairly recently, last couple of years. And then a couple of young guys came in, took it over, and and now uh, revitalized it. Tadell still comes in and helps them. And they are expanding their business to the uh, West in their building. So there's there are some really promising entrepreneurs that are providing a, an updated traditional men's clothing option in Chicago, in the city. So another person, another entrepreneur, local entrepreneur would be Carla Westcott, who after the, ninth, uh, the 2008 recession and the Southgate restaurant that was in the old fire station kind of, didn't continue. Uh, she took it over, had it redone as the market house, and that went along fine up until the pandemic. I mean, it was a little bit one-upped by Market Square, but generally it was doing fine. It had a wonderful garden overlooking Market Square in the summertime, and she sold it um, recently to a group that's going to bring in a restaurant next year, Le Colonial. That's going to be a contrast to the Deer Path. It's not gonna be Mexican, it's gonna be Vietnamese-French fusion. And a lot of people are very excited about that because they know the chain from elsewhere in the country, uh, including Chicago. Organizations, just to blend into organizations, a bunch of them have flourished in this period, and grown and come come forward. One is the Conway Farms uh, Golf Club, which nobody heard of until you know in the 90s when it got started. And all of a sudden, um, it was hosting the Western Open Golf Tournament uh, sponsored by BMW twice in the uh, 2010s. Big success. 2,000 volunteers just to manage the crowd from people in town here. Huge. Now, the history center of Lake Forest Lake Bluff um, was evicted by the city from its, its uh, kind of not-too-good building in, behind the library, north of the library, and purchased property um, on the corner of Washington Road and uh, Deer Path, just a block away, that um, was f- had formerly been the, ch- the Christian Science Church. Uh, they've re- re- done a lot of work on restoring it, re- rearranging it for their purposes, and they were able to negotiate this financially because of um, the late Leslie Chapman, who'd been um, Lake Forest College is vice president for finance, but she helped them wiggle around their finances and assets so that they could take over that property and then raise money to put it to use. So um, there's another case where somebody, a person, maybe not an historical, you know, historian person, but somebody who really cared about the community stepped up and helped them get something done um, just with their skills. Mentioned the Ragdale Foundation, um, but I didn't mention that Susan Tillett was the director in the uh, around 2010 2012 when they completely rehabbed the 1898 summer cottage that Howard Van Doren Shaw built that was there at Ragdale. Air conditioned it, uh, made it a good place to have gatherings, but also a place for five or six poets to live or something like that, um, they have meals and stuff. So it's one of the town's showplaces. It's internationally known. Uh, it's been in books from Great Britain and from uh, in this country. Just say that. She went on to do, to do another artist community out west, and she's now retired. But she should be remembered for her contribution. And all the people who funded that with her uh, leadership. Going from the tiny little thing of a Ragdale house to something big, the Northwestern Medi- Medicine Lake Forest Hospital that was completed in 2018 there's an organization that was amazing, You know, a half a billion dollar investment in West Lake Forest um, on a large parcel of land. Uh, a lot of us preservationists were sad to see the, um, the old building go, but there was a nice classical building from 1942 and it had been expanded in the, 80, in the 60s and things. But the trouble was, it was a kind of a cottagey feeling hospital and it got some derogatory marks even from Rebecca Mackay, one of the Ragdale authors, when she wrote a bestseller uh, called The Believers, and she sort of disparagingly mentioned that life, that place is not really a hospital, but kind of like a nursing home, you know. What happened was Northwestern came in, partnered and galvanized local finances to, and between them, they invested in a regional hospital up there that's really state of the art. And one reason for changing the style was to reflect uh, much more directly, the, the state-of-the-art medical character of the new building. So I think that's hard for people to realize that an older building doesn't always convey your most modern medicine. And that's what they wanted to do, like Rush is done in the city. Also, one organization that's, that doesn't seem to have yet made it out of 2020 is the Lake Forest Symphony. Uh, the Lake Forest Symphony was a leading organization um, in the late. 20th century and into 2020 uh, up until the pandemic with a concert with a professional orchestra professional good leader of the orchestra uh, audiences they played both in Lake Forest and in Gray's Lake at the um, the big auditorium at um, College of lake County and they did great music uh, their latest uh, conductor had been excellent uh, really impressive but um, classical music is something that is also more appealing to older people so that the audience is narrowing you know for that and also just the pandemic just pushed them off the edge you know so uh, we'll see if it revives it'll be interesting to see if in some form it comes back maybe as a chamber orchestra I don't know be great to have now I'll mention just briefly some estates and there were the houses and gardens for estates that were revived there was By uh, the late 90s, especially 10 years after a lot of the Reagan era changes in the taxes and everything like that and stimulation of the economy with pro-business, you got some really great estates that were being uh, created. A lot of them had been pretty much on the ropes after uh, 1929. Well, let's say after 19... 30s, you know. Uh, in the 40s, you had big inflation that caused a lot of trouble. Taxes were high. Um, and they just hung on. There was one house, the Schweppe Mansion, that was um, nobody lived there from 1941 until about the mid 80s. It just didn't, uh, it was used by the extended family as a pool club, but they didn't live in the house. And then it was re- taken over and restored. The couple broke up. The house was there it, it, by 2011, by 20 2007, it was um, on the market, and um, it just sold this year, finally, and is being restored now by an outside, by somebody who lives elsewhere, um, but it's going to be, it's, it's really an incredible save to have that. It's a 24,000 square foot home uh, with 150 feet of lake frontage uh, on Lake Michigan, um, built like Fort Knox uh concrete and stone and brick and everything. Um, so it's, it's wonderful to see it being saved. There were earlier savings in that same kind of a way where it was, uh, had one the, the house had one foot in the grave and the other foot in the banana peel. One was in the late 80s when uh, Jake and Posey Craybill bought a Benjamin Marshall house on Rosemary Road, fixed it up. She was a great gardener. So they fixed up the house. Then they had a fire. Then they fixed up the house again and expanded it. Then they built a pool house uh, by adding another estate. Uh, They built incredible gardens. It's sort of the Dunbarton Oaks from Georgetown in the Midwest. Uh, Put Lake Forest on the um, transatlantic map for gardens again, which it had been in up until the Depression. Just a fabulous, uh, fabulous thing. It was was the center for Garden Conservancy open days uh, starting in the early 2000s. And continuing up until last year, this year there are no Illinois projected Garden Conservancy open days just because of the, everybody getting burned last year when the whole thing got called off. Uh, so I hope it comes back next year, but she's done a fantastic job. She was active in the Lake Forest Garden Club, but you didn't have to be a Garden Club member to do this sort of thing. Lynn and Bill Redfield bought what had been originally a Garden Club member's house, the House of the Four Winds on Laurel Avenue. By Howard Van Doren Shaw, um, and it, in a barrel Moorish garden and arts and crafts house that was an incredible uh, long L.A. thing um, with ponds, everything just like in an Islamic garden. Really, it is an Islamic garden. Um, was restored by them. Um, Redfield was a, an engineer, so he loved seeing all the fountains restored. There's one place where at the base of the garden there. Uh, six fountains, I think, or something like that, and um, there are a couple of bigger fountains in two different long ponds. So it's bottled on the Heneralife Palace above the Alhambra in Granada, Spain. That's the inspiration for it, and they restored that place. It's now owned by the Estes, um, who've done further restorations on the house. They've been concentrating on the house since they took it over a few years ago, Um, but uh, it's incredible. Another thing where it's kind of grabbed, um, it was a sturdy house, but it was in pretty bad shape, was the 1923 Delano and Aldrich. Now, Delano and Aldridge are huge East Coast architects, New York-based architects, and they built a house, a couple of houses in Lake Forest, one of them being the Mrs. McGann House at 965 East Deer Path. It's now owned by different people, but the Lorna and Miles Marsh restored that house. It had been subdivided in the uh, 50s with a lot of little lots around the outside but there was a central three and a half acre plot and they put in a new large uh, garage pool staff lodge complex they um, put in gardens they fixed the whole house up Um, you know did space pack air conditioning and everything Um, they've now built a smaller house nearby another family's taken over that place so it's pretty good uh, major places, Crabtree Farm and Lake Bluff. It was um, originally in 1911, or it was bought in 1905 by Mrs. Uh, Durand for a dairy farm. She built it after a fire, she built new barns 1911 by Solon Beeman, who'd done Pullman and the Pullman building opposite the um, Art Institute. And she turned that into, um, and that, well, she kept those barns going, but she subdivided off uh, the, the northeast corner of 10 acres to William McCormick Blair, who had a little investment company. You might have heard of it in Chicago. Blair built on those 10 acres, a fabulous estate with a great tennis house. A new book has just been written recently um, by Mr. Bryan, who lived there. Uh, John Bryan was the third, owner, fourth owner of the estate, third owner of those barns and everything in 1983. I think he took them over. Um, he turned them into a museum for an internationally known museum for uh, arts and crafts, furnishings and art uh, and design. And people come in groups from uh, Britain, from Florida, from the East Coast, different associations come from all over the country to tour there. I've given lots of tours there to people from, uh, with people from Europe and everything. So it's a major museum. Uh, he was a f- tremendous preservationist uh, he and his wife were fabulous gardeners. He built it in 2011, 10 years ago, he built a, a new summer house there that's in modern style with John Vinci, the famous Chicago architect, and had a, and hired a, a Belgian landscape gardener to do it. And as you drive south on um, Sheridan Road toward that, you can see the, the Belgian landscape in there. It's beautiful. So the place is just incredible. He was the guy who raised the private funds for Millennium Park, so the guy who auditioned for the bean came to town with one sheet, and um, he left it with Brian to sort of use as a sales item, you know, a little thing to sell the bean, so um, Brian installed that in a garden by this uh, Verts fellow from, from Belgium. It's the centerpiece for this little garden, and it's, it's incredible. Uh, he also preserved a lake forest 1830s log cabin. I moved it up there and restored it uh, in 2005 and it's there, showing how people started out living in Lake Forest in the Stone and Bronze Age and then went on from there. They just used maybe an axe to cut wood and built their homes. So he was important. Uh, Organizations, Um, the Lake Forest Preservation Foundation, I mentioned Gail Hodges, she was a president a couple times, Marcy Kerr has been the director there since uh, 2007. Lake Forest Garden Club, huge impact um, on the local landscape scene uh, since it was founded in 1912, Uh, was one of the founders of the Garden Club of America in 1913. In In 2005, they were the first American garden organization to go to the Chelsea Flower Show in London and enter a, um, a display garden and win a medal. So they, they put Chicago on the map uh, with that, Lake Forest also. Um, they led the Forest Park Restoration Project 2015. Um, Their members donating much of the funding for that. So that's a very important organization. Now, private education. I'll just mention a couple of the 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 schools. Lake Forest Academy has been on in four different places. It had a wooden building first at Deer Path Sheridan. I'm yeah Deer Path and Sheridan that burned in 1979. Kids building fires in the winter, duh. Then they had a building over on it's now North Hall at Lake Forest College, 1880. Then in 1893 they uh, built a campus it's now the college's south campus on Sheridan Road at Rosemary. Um, And then when their main building there burned in 1946, by 1948, they moved to um, the Melody Farm Estate of J. Ogden Armor uh, in West Lake Forest. It was west of Lake Forest at that point. They used that building as their classrooms. They built some dormitories around it, used some of the barns and stuff for dorms. Um, But then since 2000, they have just blossomed out there. They've built a whole bunch of new buildings, new athletic fields. It looks like it's fabulous. It really is. It's, it's incredible. A couple of major families, one family, the Reyes family, gave the science building. Reyes family, in East Lake Forest. And the Reed Anderson family gave the student union building. Um, it's on the scale of a small college, as is the tuition, I might add. <laughs> Not cheap. But it's a wonderful institution and they've done really well. Lake Forest College in 2002 came President Steve Scott, who's there now. He's just recently announced that he's going to retire after 20 years next year. But um, in his period, he built an enormous amount of buildings and um, restored a lot of the buildings. He had made additions and restored them. The library was done over in 2004 with an addition. The Student Union had an addition in 2006. Um, He doubled the size of a dorm called Moore Hall with a whole new building in 2009. Made a great new uh, fitness center, um, sports center addition in 2011. Um, Built a science building in 2018, opened a science building in 2018. It was built on a 1962 one, but much of that building is all new now, major addition. And starting this coming fall, he is there's going to be the 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 original the oldest brick building at the campus, 1878 five story, uh, University Hall, later Young Hall, and for an 1881 1981 renewal, will be Brown Hall, uh, with an addition given by Solange and Bill Brown here in town. They made the lead gift of. uh, the better part of $10 million, which isn't chopped liver even still. And um, that building has a tremendous, has a nice addition behind it. You can't see it from the street, but it's very compatible. And um, it really helps revitalize the college. So he's done a tremendous amount. So Lake Force is in great shape after 20 years when you consider that probably the economy was really, really only going full blast about six years of the 20, uh, maybe 2003, 2006, and then probably um, 2017 to 20, you know, uh, were the real boom periods. Otherwise, not great. And so these are people who, who oh, in spite of all that, they made stone soup. You know, they got people to join them and do things, say, please put something into my soup, you know, a carrot or a tomato or something. And all they would put in was a stone. But they got other help do stuff. They changed Chicago, they changed Lake Forest, um, they changed the North Shore, and lots of people's lives.
0: Well, that's got to be a thick magazine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, that was just that was more about the physical town, you know. Right, 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 right. But I wanted to get in about the people and how much difference it makes, and how the leverage of Lake Forest reaches out beyond what we've got here now.
0: No, that's a heck of a 20 years. Uh, no, congrats again, Art. Uh, it's an honor to have you on the show. This, I mean, our class is awesome. I have to bring two pens for the notes. Please check my <laughs> post. Okay, <laughs> I will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to SIU, I wasn't much of a note taker, so my
1: wife, my wife too helped me brainstorm some of it. So that was good. oh, yeah, she's well, a former school board member and stuff like that. So she had some different insights, so helped broaden it right?
0: out. Thank you, Mrs. Miller. Okay. <laughs> and thank you for listening to the Lake Forest Podcast Art Class Edition. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Let us know what you'd like to hear about in the upcoming shows. Again, I'm Pete. and can be reached at pete@lakeforestpodcast.com. At the link will be in the podcast notes below. On behalf of my co-host, Arthur Miller, we thank you for listening. Our class is over. Ring the bell. You the band.